Actually, I, I like it a lot, actually. I enjoyed that a lot. You know, one of the privileges I have as a pastor is watching young people's lives change. And I've known Jess for a long time. And uh, that was the guy who was just singing, Jess. And it, it's really a beautiful thing to see what God has done in his life. God has done an awful lot in transforming his life. And he's still transforming it. I'm just touched by the song he wrote to just share a piece of his life. Just had a very, very difficult life, very difficult upbringing, and it's just a marvelous testimony to the grace of God, what God has done. Say, so if you could turn those lights down just a little bit, that'd be great. I came tonight as a biker angel. I thought you all would like that on Halloween. Actually, every week I show up as a biker angel. So anyway, if you wanted to know that, that's just the way it is. And... Uh, but it's, it's wonderful to be here tonight. There may be a lot of crazy things going on. Someone walked up to me tonight and said, Mark, there's a lot of crazy things going on tonight, a lot of bad things. I said, well, there's some good things here. And um, I was just reminded as we were singing the worship song that there's no power. There is no power in hell who can stand against our God. And it's just a wonderful privilege to know the Lord. So let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. <clears throat> Father, we just thank you tonight that you changed lives, <clears throat> and you changed ours. What a privilege, Lord, to know Jesus. What a privilege to have you in our lives. <clears throat> well, Lord, we know tonight there are many people who are just, you know, really innocently enjoying the night. But there are others, Lord, who are about some very evil things. We live, as we'll read some, some, a little bit tonight, we live in a very evil world. We just thank you, Lord Jesus that you can change lives. And we ask, Lord, we ask you tonight that you'd make yourself known to people in a special way. Somehow, Lord, you'd cut through the brokenness, the loneliness, the depravity, and you'd shed some light into their soul. We ask you, Lord, tonight that you'd speak to us. Speak to us from the word of God. Help us to understand, Lord, how you want us to live in this world today. Even though... <clears throat> You've made us, as we've been learning, exiles, aliens in this world. You have a mission for us, Lord. You have instructions for us, and we pray you to help us to apply them to our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so, the title of the series is entitled, Instruction for Aliens. <clears throat> that was just a creative way to go through the book of 1 Peter with you. The book of 1 Peter the Bible tells us that we're aliens and strangers in this world. <clears throat> and, and what that means is we don't belong here. We're made for another world. When Jesus Christ came into our life, he changed us and he transformed us. And we're headed for another world. But in the meantime, God has us here on the planet. <clears throat> and he gives us instructions how to live. <clears throat> There's a lot of things that are going to happen to us as believers here, and, and we're going to look at some of that tonight. One of those things is we're going to suffer. <clears throat> whenever you try to live a godly life for Jesus Christ, whenever you try to live out the values of God, some people are going to be attracted to it. Some people are going to want to know, tell me, why are you different? Why did you respond to that situation the way that you did? Why do you love your family the way that you do? Why are you kind? <clears throat> Why are you honest? How come you don't sleep around? How come you're not living with your boyfriend? 
They're going to have all kinds of questions, but there's other people that are going to ridicule you. There's other people that are going to malign you, and they're going to slander you. <clears throat> there are other people who are going to do everything they can to make your life very, very difficult, just like they did Jesus Christ. See, because Jesus now lives in us. When Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, then after that period, he spent 40 days on the planet, and he ascended in heaven. When he ascended to heaven, he sent his spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Bible calls him, and any person who comes to know Jesus Christ as their Savior becomes indwelt, filled, possessed by the Holy Spirit of God. And now Christ is living in the world today through us. And we are, as the Bible refers to us, little Christ. I don't mean we're deities. That's not what it means. But we are ones in whom Jesus Christ lives. <clears throat> and Jesus said this. If the world hated me, <clears throat> they will hate you. And so we're going to look tonight <clears throat> at 1 Peter chapter 3 and a little bit out of chapter 4. And the first thing we're going to look at tonight <clears throat> is a very interesting passage that goes like this. For the Bible says, if you want a happy life and good days, keep your tongue from speaking evil. Keep your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Work hard at living at peace with others. For the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to the prayer. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. Now who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you. So do not be afraid and don't worry. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if you are asked about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But you must do this in a gentle, respectful way, keeping a clear conscience. Then if people speak evil against you, they'll be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it's better to suffer for doing good, if that is what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. Christ also suffered when he died for our sins once for all. He never sinned, but he died for sinners that he might bring us safely to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the Spirit. Now, this is a very interesting text in the Scripture. Here's why. We start off with God saying, if you want a happy life and good days. But then he ends the chapter by talking about suffering. And i got to be honest with you, our natural mind says, a happy life is no suffering. Maybe you've never thought of that when you've read that passage before. I know some of you have been reading through the book of 1 Peter as we've been going through it. So, so wait a minute, Lord. Isn't this a conundrum? Isn't this a dichotomy? Isn't this a paradox? If I want a happy life, I'll tell you, Lord, I want a happy life. Keep me away from suffering. I don't want problems. Well, <clears throat> believe it or not, <clears throat> you can have a very happy life and still suffer. <clears throat> so I want to break this down for just a little bit, and I want to explain this text to you so that you understand what God is saying. First of all, first of all, God is speaking to our relationships. And on our relationships, God wants there to be peace. 
He wants there to be peace. And he gives a little prescription here. Just before that, I read this last week and commented on it, but I'll read it now. Finally, all of you should be of one mind, full of sympathy towards each other, loving one another with tender hearts and humble minds. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate when people say unkind things about you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God wants you to do, and he will bless you. For the scripture says, if you want a happy life and good days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Let me just talk for a moment about the mouth, all right? <clears throat> One of the things that you have to understand about Christianity is Christianity is first about our relationship with God. Jesus Christ brings us to God. He brings peace between us and God. Our sin and our rebellion has put a great chasm between us and God. And Christ bridged that chasm. Christ paid for our sin so we could have peace with God. That's what the chapter ends with, that Christ, who knew no sin, became our sin. And he brought us to God through his death. He did nothing wrong. Jesus did not do anything wrong ever. No bad word ever was from his mouth. No wrong word, no hurtful word. <clears throat> and yet, the people of his day tortured him and killed him. Why? Well, Jesus says in John 3, <clears throat> this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness more than their light. <clears throat> because their deeds are evil. <clears throat> so the first thing Christ does is he wants to bring peace between us and God. But the second thing that God wants to do is change our relationships to others. Especially <clears throat> those of us who know the Lord. We're family. We're members of Christ's body. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And God wants us to watch our mouth. I want to talk briefly about this. It's amazing how destructive the mouth can be, isn't it? The mouth, the Bible says, <clears throat> is full of the fire of hell itself. <clears throat> the power, the Bible says, of life and death is in the tongue. And the tongue can do such damage. Words can be so hurtful. They can be so hurtful. If you want a happy life, good days, then learn to control your mouth. That would include, bear with me now, bear with me, this will make sense, what you post on Facebook, those are words. What you say on Twitter, those are words. We're not talking about just what literally comes out of your mouth, but what would come from your pen, what would come from your thumbs, what would come through your email. Watch your mouth. <clears throat> it's going to be very, very difficult for you to enjoy peaceful, uplifting, encouraging relationships. Any of you that are married, <laughs> I would, the most damaging thing in a marriage is the mouth. It's amazing what will come out of our mouth. I've been amazed what's come out of mine. I've had to repent many, many times. I've had to seek forgiveness many, many times for what's come out of my mouth. But at the same time, on this journey, I go back to this and I've learned to control my mouth more and more and more. It's part of why I'm so desperate for Christ. It's part of why I seek after wisdom. The Bible says the tongue of the righteous feeds many, the tongue of the wise man feeds many, but the foolish man's mouth is like the thrust of a sword. It just cuts people. 
<clears throat> we live in a nation, <clears throat> obviously, that believes in freedom of speech, right? But let me share something with you as a Christian. We do not exercise that right. We live by the instructions of God in Ephesians. Say only what is good and helpful to those you are speaking to and what will give them a blessing. Watch your mouth. Our mouth can do so much damage or it can build others up. And we've got to learn to control our mouth. Let me just make another comment to all of you, okay? Um, I know you're going to think I'm old and I'm ancient and I'm a dinosaur, but just trust me that I have wisdom. Some of you are really foolish with these texting relationships you have. Texting on important things to communicate is the dumbest thing you could be doing. It's just not smart. I'm just being really blunt with you. I have so many young people that are getting their nose in a vice because they're trying to communicate about important things texting one another. It ain't going to work. You need to learn to stop the thumbs, pick up the telephone, Either meet face-to-face or talk in a calm and gentle manner because half the time you're not completing your sentences and you're making a mistake. You cannot have a meaningful, healthy relationship that is based on texting. It ain't going to work. It's really not going to work. I could give you so much data on this, but I wish you'd trust me. Texting can be great for, hey, honey, you're at the store. Could you bring home some milk and eggs and a couple loaves of bread? Great, great tool. But for building an intimate relationship, for working through a difficulty in a relationship, bad idea, really bad idea. <clears throat> and what's, here's what's really happening. A lot of us are hiding behind the smartphone. You're hiding behind the text. You're taking a coward's way out. When you really just need to dialogue about it, or you need to give greater thought to it. One of the things I often share with couples, but I share this with young people too, is learn to, learn to write hard things out. <clears throat> I'll often, my wife does the same thing, I'll, I'll, I'll sit down at the computer and an email and I'll write it without putting an address or anything like that, because I'm going to print it. I usually print and give her a copy under her door. And then after I write it, I reread it, and I ask myself, if I was receiving that, how would it hit me? Words are powerful, and they can do so much good, or they can do so much damage. And believe it or not, I'll tell you another little secret. A lot of you, I'm saying this because I love you, I mean this. A lot of you think you're a lot wiser than you really are. It takes wisdom to be an effective communicator. It takes wisdom to get a point across. It takes wisdom to have empathy and tact and diplomacy. It takes wisdom. But some of you, you know where wisdom comes from? This book, and you're not studying it. You're not reading it. You know where wisdom comes from? From your prayer life, from seeking God, from asking God to work in your life. You don't know how to be spirit-filled. You're not filled with the spirit. You better not open your mouth. Or damage is going to happen. So, you may think to yourself, boy, Mark, this promise just seems like you got to be kidding. I'd like to have a happy life. Well, a happy, good life starts with watch your mouth. Put a guard over your mouth. 
Keep it from evil and keep your lips from telling lies. Keep your, your lips from misrepresenting something. Keep your lies from just saying whatever your emotions feel like saying. Turn away from evil and do good. Man, I got to tell you, young person, evil will never bring you joy. In the moment, in the moment, it feels really good. If you, you feel self-satisfied, but in the end, it's going to turn to gravel in your stomach. It's going to make you want to vomit. It will ruin your life. It will not bring happiness to your life. This goes along. Peter, of course, would have known this in Proverbs chapter 3. says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge God. Seek him and he will make your path straight. Fear the Lord and turn from evil. See, if you're not a person who turns from evil, evil activities, evil things, evil situations, evil whatever show is promoting evil, if you're not a person who turns away from it, then you don't really fear the Lord, and you're never going to have a happy life. Sin and evil will never bring real joy. It will not. And I could get graphic about this tonight, but, but I won't. Work hard at living at peace with others. <clears throat> I mean, I, I just can't even tell you how hard and how diligently Kathy and I work <clears throat> to be at peace with one another. It involves really some simple things in a relationship. I strive to put her first. She strives to put me first. I strive to learn just to not be picky, to let things go, to not want my own way. I, I strive to make sure if there's a misunderstanding in a relationship to call that person. Sometimes I've gone home after a Friday night and just, just had a brief conversation. <clears throat> and as I'm driving home, I think, you know, I'm not sure that came out how I meant that to come out. Or I wonder if I hurt that person's feelings. And I will either write, an, write them an email when I get home. Because often I have their email but not their phone number. <clears throat> because I don't have a cell phone, so I don't have it loaded with all the numbers. <clears throat> and I'll just write and I'll just say, say. You know, I wanted to make sure I didn't offend you tonight. I made this comment, and I, I want to apologize if I hurt your feelings. Here's what I meant, but please let me know if I hurt your feelings because that's not what I meant, what I intended. It's so important that we work for peace between us, peace, harmony, and not just, you know, let something go. If the Lord kind of puts something on your heart, be willing to step back and go, wow, did that, I'm not sure that came out the way I want. I just want to be at peace with people. A lot of times we think peace comes from getting our own way. No, it doesn't. Peace comes from dying to yourself. Many years ago, <clears throat> it was actually, I've been married 35 and a half years now, <clears throat> but in my 16th year of marriage, we were doing a couples conference here. We were doing it up at Cragen's near Brainerd. <clears throat> and we had uh, hundreds of people coming at that time for our couples conferences. And so Brent and I, <clears throat> Brent and I founded Evergreen together. And <clears throat> he and I work with all the five churches that we have. So he and I were meeting with some of our other younger pastors. And we just thought, you know, what, what should our theme be this year? And we wanted to try to include everyone and not just he and I. <clears throat> sharing. So we thought, you know, why don't we each share one thing that was a significant lesson for us this last year in our marriage? <clears throat> so I entitled mine, <clears throat> The Most Important Thing I've Learned in 16 Years of Marriage. <clears throat> well, everybody wanted to know, what, what, what is that? And I told them, I'm not going to tell. I just, I'm, you know, I'm superstitious. I'm not going to tell you what it is. It's a surprise. 
<clears throat> so when everyone came, I just started out by saying, the most important thing I've learned in 16 years of marriage, if you want a great marriage, go home and die some more. For Jesus said, unless the grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it falls to the ground and dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus said, whoever come after me, come, comes after me and wants to meet my disciple must lose his life. Whoever loses his life will find it. Whoever keeps it will lose it. <clears throat> and I can't tell you the joy that I've learned in my life from dying to myself, dying to what I want, and putting Kathy first. And putting her needs first. And that's the secret to harmony. We've got to learn it. <clears throat> For the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do what's right. <clears throat> One of the most important verses we taught our children when they were young. And we repeated it often through the years. I would have you learn this great fact. That the wisest life of all is the life of doing right. Do the right thing. Live the right way. Believe the right things. <clears throat> say the right things. Seek God to understand what to say so you can say the right things, the wise things, the uplifting things. Go after what's right. <clears throat> and his ears are open to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. <clears throat> now, who will want to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you suffer for what is right, God will reward you. So don't be afraid and don't worry. <clears throat> Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. I want to talk about that phrase for just a moment. <clears throat> There's a lot of people who will say, Jesus Christ is my Savior. <clears throat> he saved me from my sins. But I want to ask you this question. I want you to ponder this. <clears throat> Is Jesus Christ your Lord? <clears throat> Is Jesus Christ your master? Do you view him as your master? <clears throat> Do you view him as the authority in your life? And do you go to him to find out what he wants you to do? Do you go to him to find out his orders as to how he wants you to carry on your life? And then once you find those things out, do you submit yourself to them? That's what it means to worship Christ as Lord of your life. <clears throat> this was the most significant decision I made in my life. I grew up in a Christian family. <clears throat> I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ from the time I was in the cradle. My mother would sing me the gospel. My mother would sing hymns to me. My mother would talk to me about the gospel. By the time I was three years old, I had the 23rd Psalm memorized because my mother saw to it that I had the 23rd Psalm memorized. <clears throat> when I was five years old, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I have a little picture at home from California where we lived at the time in Los Angeles, and I'm standing with my little buzz cut and my little tacky sweater, and I got a little Bible in my hand, and behind me is a flannel bulletin board. In those days, we didn't have all the technological things. You just had this board, and they put flannel on it, and they'd hang. And there's this big heart on it, and it says behind my head, Jesus wants your heart. Little did I know the propheticness of that little sign. And by the time I was 15, I wanted nothing to do with God. I didn't want anything to do with God whatsoever. And, and by the time I was 16 until I was 19, literally I just ran the other way. 
and I wanted girls and, and music. <clears throat> Didn't get much of either, but that's what I wanted. I'm just telling you what I wanted. <clears throat> it wasn't until I was 19 years of old, <clears throat> and God, in his mercy, in his severe mercy, but in his mercy, and I wouldn't trade a thing. I am so thankful for what God did. He really, really, really shook up my world. <clears throat> and on three separate occasions, almost took my life. And after that third time, it really made me stop and think about my life. It was in the span of about two months. <clears throat> and one night, I was, I was in a very immoral relationship with a young woman that I had met at a bar. <clears throat> she lived about 60 miles from where I lived, and I would go to that town as often as I could. <clears throat> It was really for only one reason, to be immoral. I knew it was wrong. I knew, in my, I knew, I knew it was wrong. I didn't care. <clears throat> and one night, <clears throat> after all these events had happened, <clears throat> I pulled over to the side of the road, <clears throat> and I made Christ Lord of my life. <clears throat> and that was now 39 and a half years ago. And I told the Lord that night, and I have never turned back from that moment. You are master. You are Lord. And from this moment on, I worship you with my life. Not with just songs. Song singing worship is great, but that's not worship. That's singing. That's an extension of a life given to God. But Romans chapter 12 tells us, in view of the mercies of God, I beg you, I urge you. Present your body, your body as a living sacrifice to God, which is your reasonable, acceptable act of worship. That's the reality of Christianity, is giving my life, my body, my all to God. And so now, everything I do is for him. It's to honor God. It's to please God. It's as his servant. So whatever you do for a job, I'm doing it for God. I'm going to bring excellence to it. I'm going to bring diligence to it. I'm going to be reliable. I'm going to be dependable. I'm going to be cheerful. I'm going to have a good attitude. I'm going to cooperate. I'm going to submit to management. I'm going to excel to make this company successful. I'm going to pray for these employees. I'm going to be kind. Why? Because I'm living for God. I want to honor God, and I want all of this to reflect to him because they need to know him. That's what it means to live as a living sacrifice to God. <clears throat> in my relationship with <clears throat> the opposite sex, <clears throat> I want to honor God. <clears throat> I want to honor God. <clears throat> and so Peter reiterates this here when he says, worship Christ as Lord of your life. <clears throat> then, if you're asked about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. <clears throat> you know that the chances may be real good that some of you have never been asked that question by others because Christ isn't Lord of your life. And when he's Lord of your life, you live different. You live at a different level. You just live differently. <clears throat> I guarantee you Tim Tebow has been asked about the hope within him. <clears throat> I've certainly had people that happen every day, but in relationship, I ask people, why, why are you the way you are? Why do you do the things you do? Why are you like this? <clears throat> Why do you treat your wife the way you do? Why do you speak so well of her? 
People notice things. We are in stark contrast. See, as aliens, as these people who live by a different code, we're just so different than the world. We're so different. We don't tell the kind of jokes they tell. We don't necessarily laugh at the things they laugh at. We have a genuineness to our life, an authenticity, a sincerity, and we care about the people around us. We're different. We ought to be different. The God of the universe lives in us, wants to make us different. But remember this, we have to cooperate with God. God doesn't just magically take over. <clears throat> a lot of people misunderstand that. They just think, you know, you get the Holy Ghost? Well, you got the Holy Ghost when you got saved. If you didn't get the Holy Ghost, you didn't get the Holy Spirit, same person. You're not saved. <clears throat> The moment you come to Christ, he moves inside of you. But you and I have to learn how to submit to him, how to surrender to him, and allow him to fill our lives and empower us. Then we're going to go to chapter 4. So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourself with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer also. For if you're willing to suffer for Christ, you have decided to stop sinning. And you won't spend the rest of your life chasing after evil desires, but you'll be anxious, eager to do the will of God. You've had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy. Their immorality, their lust, their feasting, their drunkenness, their wild party, their terrible worship of idols. Of course your former friends are very surprised when you no longer join them in the wicked things they do and they say evil things about you. But just remember, they will have to face God, who will judge everyone, both the living and the dead. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be serious, earnest, and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. I'd just like to make a few comments about this, and then we'll close. I found this... This is from the Message Bible. <clears throat> and this is chapter 4, the first couple of verses. And I wanted to read it to you because <clears throat> it just says it in such a unique way. Since Jesus went through everything you're going through and much more, learn to think like he did. Think of your sufferings as a weaning from the old sinful habit of always expecting to get your own way. Then you'll be able to live out your days free to pursue what God wants instead of being tyrannized by what you want. I love that word. That's what the sinful nature wants to do to you, is tyrannize you. I look back in my life. You know, one of the things I do every morning, it's my habit, is I pray every morning. I take an hour prayer walk every morning. Pretty fast, usually three and a half miles in that hour. And one of the things that I always do during my prayer time that I always reflect on, often it's with tears, but not always. It doesn't matter if it's with tears or not. I'm not trying. I'm just saying it moves me. That's the point. Tears don't mean anything. I mean I'm moved at what God saved me from. When I think about my habits in my flesh, 
When I think about my lust and my greed and my pride and my arrogance and my temper, when I think about the harshness that would be in my life, the destructiveness in my life, I often will walk in my garage or outside. It's early in the dark. Everyone's asleep because it's at 4 a.m. And often tears just streaming down my face as I realize, God, I used to be tyrannized, oppressed by my flesh. I mean, it just was like an addict. It just grabbed me around the throat, slammed me against the wall, and I just felt so powerless against its cravings and its desires, and Christ broke those chains. And more and more and more, as I followed Christ, as I made him master instead of Mark master, you got to remember something. You're either mastered by Christ or you're mastered by the flesh, and the flesh is worse than Pharaoh. Christ sets us free. He gives us real freedom. The flesh does not give you that. And getting your own way will simply destroy your life. And so Paul, Peter is saying here, arm yourself. Prepare your mind with the same goal. I'm going to suffer in my flesh. Bring it on. Now, what do we mean by that? Do we mean that we take a whip and we do what some people do? They flagellate themselves, it's called. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the suffering that comes when you choose not to give in to your carnal nature. For the grace of God, Titus tells us, for the grace of God teaches us to say no to unrighteousness. No, I'm not going to do that. Knock it off. Die, flesh. And we kill it. There's suffering. That's a form of suffering, and it's God-honoring, and Christ did it. Christ chose to honor God, and he did not give in to his human self. And we learn to honor God. We learn to honor God. We learn to choose what's right. We learn to choose what's good. Now, I've been doing this a long time. So, for example, I really, truly cannot imagine starting my day skipping prayer. Now, I know I'm not, I'm not trying to make you feel bad or anything like that. I was telling this to my wife the other day. This is just a, such a routine with me that I feel undressed if I miss it. I do it seven days a week. Wherever I travel in a few weeks, I've got to go to Berlin, Germany for our rock church there. And I have a place there. I mean, I see it in my mind. I know the exact place I go. I go out Dieter's apartment real early in the morning. I walk down. I go to the water tower right by the Jewish synagogue. And I go way up on the gravel track. And I walk round and round in the pitch dark in Berlin, Germany. And pray just like I do here. I do my push-ups up just like that up on the bench. I do them at home. I do them there on the bench. I find a soccer. They have metal soccer stands in these little um, steel. They double as soccer and basketball. I do my pull-ups on the metal soccer stand, just like I do here. I'm naked without it. I eat the same things every day because I know they're good for me because I'm banking on being healthy into my later years. I have a plan. The same thing is true as I've learned to put Kathy first, as I've learned more and more to control my mouth. I'm not saying I'm perfect. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that there is a great joy in having learned how to say no, no, no. With money, so many people have no idea how to control their spending, how to just say, no, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to buy that. I don't need that. Get out of my face. I'm so sick of advertisers, I don't even listen to them. I don't listen to them. 
at all. It's one of the reasons I quit watching television. I just choose old movies that are like, I'm sick of those pigs. I'm sick of their garbage. I'm sick of their sensuality. I'm sick of them trying to sell everything to us with sex. I'm sick of them. They're done. I just turn them off. If I can't blow them up, I turn them off. Just turn them off. They have no right in my life. No right in my life. If I need something at the mall, I go exactly for what I need. Otherwise, I don't hang out there. You know why? You know why? You see it. It enters your eye. You want it. Oh, look at oh, look at oh, oh, geez. Next thing you know, you're parting with your money. I got better things to do with my money. I want to use my money for eternity. I want to use my money for the people that I love. <clears throat> Today, I was driving past. I pulled up to a stoplight, and right next to me is a $65,000 Mercedes sports car. It's about two years old. I know these things because... Um, I used to be in the business, and because once in a while, Costco has them outside of their place, and they have the stickers inside. And I was pulling up in my, <laughs> in my $900 Honda, and I'm like, and, and I'm looking at the car, and I'm smiling to myself. Now, now, just bear with me. I wouldn't say this to that person because I don't want to offend them. I'm doing this as an object lesson to you, but this is how I build myself up all the time. I look over and go, you're an idiot. <laughs> you're an idiot. A car is a liability. You're an idiot. <laughs> I'm smart. I'm living for eternity. I got my $900 car. I got 41 miles a gallon the other day in my Honda Accord driving to La Crosse, Wisconsin to share there. 205,000 miles on the car. I get 41 miles a gallon. <laughs> and I'm like, thank you, Lord Jesus, because I can put my money into the people that I love. I can put my money into eternity. Into eternity. Now, that doesn't mean you have to drive a $900 car. You might drive a $10,000 car. I don't know what the Lord will lead you. I'm just telling you, do you realize that what power there is, what freedom in simply being able to unplug from the cravings of this pathetic world that wants to own you and enslave you, and you're able to say, no, (laughs) no, such a powerful word, no. No, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not going to think that. I'm going to think this. And there's joy. There is joy in righteousness because we're aliens, see? We breathe a different air. The world loves evil. They love evil. They feed on it. They love it. They watch it. They absorb it. And it's destroying their lives. We were made for righteousness. And our cells grow on righteousness. And you grow strong and you grow vibrant. Please don't ever forget that. Righteousness. You already put in your time in that God-ignorant way of life, partying night after night, a drunken and immoral, wicked life. Now it's time to be done with it for good. Of course your old friends don't understand why you don't join in with the old gang anymore. But you don't have to give an account to them. They're the ones who will be called on the carpet by God himself. We have purpose in our lives. We have significance in our lives. Christ changed our lives. Now go out and live that life that God called you to live. Father, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for transforming our lives. We thank you, Lord, for changing our lives. We thank you, Lord, for bringing Christ into our life and giving us the power of the Holy Spirit, the power to say no to the things that used to just grab us by the throat. We can say no to this. We can say no to that. We can say yes to God. 
And you can change our lives and every one of us can develop habits that we never imagined we could have before because all the power of God lives within us. If only we will worship Christ as Lord of our life. Help us, Lord Jesus. Help us. Bless each and every person, Lord. Give them an encouraging weekend. Give them, Lord, help them just to spend some time with you this weekend. 30 minutes tomorrow, 30 minutes Sunday, have a cup of coffee, read the word of God, go on a little 10-minute prayer walk, and just thank God for what he's done in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. We got some good refreshments out there tonight, so we'd love to have you come out, and I'd love to meet you.